The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. And that is it! Robert Whitaker has done it! Be patient. It'll come. And that's exactly what I did, man. Robert the Reaper Welcome to UFC Unfiltered. Matt and I are here starting a few minutes late. Totally my fault because of a technical glitch. I had to reboot. Nobody gives a shit. So uh, we're going to start with a, a, a comedian, a guy I've, I haven't seen in quite a while. I'm happy to see him. We also have uh, Robert Whitaker uh, joining us uh, shortly. Uh, former, champion. Say, former champion. Yeah, former champion. Former middleweight champion, Robert Whitaker. Yeah, and he looks like he's back on his way to a title fight soon. I mean, he's looked incredible. Uh, let's bring, uh, bring in Josh Wolf. And you're you're a UFC. I don't know if we ever talked about UFC before. I I, did, I don't always know what comedians are UFC fans and which ones aren't. You know, I would I would call myself the very typical casual fan, right? So like, I know what I like. I like I watch like watching uh, Nate Diaz and Max Holloway. I like people. I like watching people throw hands, right? It's like you know what it's like. So I'm a huge baseball fan, but for a casual fan, a one to nothing game is death. Yep. But for me. I can watch a one to nothing game because I'm not really paying attention to I'm, I'm watching every pitch where the catcher sets up like the ins and outs. Right. And so for UFC, I'm more of a casual guy. So for base, if I was a casual baseball fan, I just want to see home runs. Right. Right. And so I just want to see guys that throw hands. Now, if when guys hit the floor, are you one of those guys like, ah, stand them up. This sucks because you're um, like only I'm asking that guys. And I mean that I don't mean that come out the wrong way. I mean that um, not. Only because you say you prefer them to scrap standing up, is it just because you don't know too much about the, the floor game? It's like ah. So for me, the strategy and uh, the tiny little movements that guys do when they're on the ground, I'm not catching that. Like I'm sure you are, right? Like oh, he's got to move his, he's gonna lift his hips or things like that. I'm not catching any of that. I'm like, hey, why can't he knee him in the head right now? Like that's where I'm at. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, I got you. And so if they hit the ground and it's active, I'm still in for that. But the mauling that Habib does for me is like, all right, man, you know, I watched wrestling in high school 
And I went to one match and was like, yeah, I've seen enough of that. You know, so you, so you prefer strike. You'd rather see Ngannou Stipe yeah. than somebody who's just a master on the floor. Yeah. And, and by the way, I would call that just my ignorance, just not knowing what I'm looking at. Do you know what I mean? No, that's true. I like the analogy you did with baseball because I don't watch yeah. any any kind of sports. My kids, they do dancing, and sometimes they did the, they did the thing in City Field uh, before like the game. The second that thing's done, I'm like, I right, listen. I'm not staying here all fucking night. I can't do this. Don't do this to me. Because I don't know. And listen, I just, and I appreciate. I mean, there's a stadium of people that are loving everything that's going on. Yeah. So it's not. It's not. It's it's more me. You know what I mean? It has to be me, or just not my preference. So I don't. Yeah, know. and that's what it is. Like right. So and I hear I, I talk to baseball people all the time. Like people who who are like, it's the most boring sport, and I right. get it. I, I, I totally get it. I just grew up with a glove in my hand. So the things that you think bo are boring, I, I see as part of the game, like the building blocks of the game, you have the sport, you know what I mean? Like, what do you appreciate about, like, you just said a game that was like a, a one, what'd you say? I'm sorry. A one, one, one nothing. nothing. So for me, first of all, the, the mental focus it takes to stay in it as a player, I played a little college baseball right. and the mental focus it takes to stand out in that field and still be ready to get up to the plate, to be able to turn it on and off. Like you're sitting for a lot of the time and then you got to get up and you got to face somebody who's throwing a, a, a round ball, 95 miles an hour. And you have to square up a round ball on a round bat. You have to find the one flat spot on that. And then, so for me, I like watching the pitchers, right? So if you're 60 foot, six inches away from somebody and he's throwing the ball 98 miles an hour, and you notice that because his hand is up like this and you can see where his hand is. You have to be able to tell when his hand does this to throw a curveball. You have to be able to see that. That's fascinating to me. Your reaction time is something like less than a second. You have to decide, I'm going to swing. I swing and I have to know where that ball is. Or anticipate if it's a breaking ball or a curveball, where it's going to go and swing, not where the ball is, but where it's going to be in a half a second. You're right. It is a crazy hand-eye coordination. Crazy. And think of, and, and and also like doing your film work and going, all right, I know this dude at, at when he gets to count one and two, he likes to throw a curveball on the yard of half of the plate. I'm going to have to look for a ball over there. And that's why sometimes you see dudes take fastballs right down the middle for a call third strike because they were guessing something else and it's happening so fast. They just don't have time to swing. So that's yeah. the kind of little stuff, Matt, you know, for me, it's exciting. You know, I love the, I see, listen, I, even though I don't, I can't watch a game or even like, listen, I don't even know who's in the Super Bowl. I'm not, I know that's football, by the way. Matt, don't embarrass me. Listen, yeah, I'm I don't know. Anything with a ball, yeah. anything with a ball, I'm not, I'm just not into, but it, I like to hear like what you just said. I like that other people yeah. are passionate about it. I like to know what they're passionate about. But you, for example, when you see two dudes grappling, you can kind of right anticipate oh, oh this this right all that stuff. Well, listen, no, what's funny is that it's funny that you said that because I was watching Ben Askren today because he's gonna be fighting Jake Paul. Yeah, what do you think about that? Oh, I, oh, I think that's oh, I think he, I think uh, Ben's gonna win either by decision or get him tired and finish him. I took Ben in the second, and Ben, Ben, I almost said Ben first round, Ben took himself in the seventh. And I'm like, there's no way Ben thinks, there's no way Ben thinks he's gonna take seven rounds with this. Is, is it two or three minute rounds? I think it might be, it might be two. I'm not sure though, dude. I don't know. Like I took second round stoppage, Ben Askren. Do you know the one thing I think that people are underestimating with this kid is that he's fighting people 
who have either done it before or never done it. And he has this, I want this life mentality. He has yeah. a different drive, I think, than the people he's fighting. Do you know what I mean? And there's something about that all in. I don't, I'm, I want this more than life kind of stuff that I think you can't dismiss out of hand. Do you know what I mean? Yes. But picture this. It's like a baseball analogy too. If you get a guy who's really good and he plays against his friends who are really good, like Nate Robinson is a good fighter, but not on a professional level. The minute you face a professional pitcher, even a professional pitcher that wasn't fucking Mariano Rivera, right. you, you're still facing a guy that has done nothing but face guys who really know how to hit. Right. Ben Askren dealt with Robbie Lawler. Ben Askren had six of his 19 wins are by TKO. So again, that's not, it's almost a third of his professional fighter wins are by TKO. So Ben Askren has thrown hands before. Um, well, Jimmy, in, in fairness, by TKO is when he gets him on the floor and mauls him. Yeah, so, that's true. No, yeah. The thing is this, he's used to, as far as having a chin and being able to, the, the fight doesn't start on the floor. So he yeah. went with killers standing up and he knows how to weather a storm. He yeah. knows that even, I'm, I'm, Excuse me. I'm feeling that he's going to be striking a lot, clinching a lot. He's not shooting doubles or anything, tying him up. This kid's a young kid full of piss and vinegar. Yeah. You saw what he did, and he's not. And he's not stupid. The kid knows right. how to box. With Nate Robinson, I like that he's doing feints, like he was like so. It's like showing like um making Nate react. And Nate and and all, and, and let's be honest. I don't think that guy Nate Robinson sparred a day in his life. He was that's the right. dude. Only fools rush in. He was fucking. Yeah. <laughs> it was, I mean, I don't know what, I mean, it was awful. He's like an athletic guy that thought he's just going to beat up this YouTube guy that, yeah. and you know, so Jake Paul has some experience. Sure. Ryan Askren goes in there with the wrong strategy and tries to rock him and sock him. He's going to get knocked out, but he's not an idiot. He's a smart guy and he knows how to get that clinch. And this guy's not going to feel the same in that first round or look, this, and, and he's not going to have that same energy. If, then he is in the set later rounds if he's getting tied up trying to knock out Ben Askren. So, but does, ben, does ben have power in his hands? Probably no, I, I don't think so. He's not exactly that guy. Uh, right. He might actually have some, um, you know, his hands might be pillows, but he's going <laughs> to they're going to be smothering him with those pillows, though, because he's going to be in your face the whole time. So he's going to be in the face, clinching, um, you know, tying him up, then hitting him when he's thinking he's clinching him. And it's going to become more of a, a battle of attrition. And well, maybe body shots, maybe Ben's body experience. shots. Ben's experience. Is what do you think different. of the little things that an experienced fighter will do to a guy like Jake to either frustrate him or tire him out or get to that seventh round? Like what are the little things that, that, that I can watch? Cause I'm going to watch that. Like I like watching freak shows too. So, and for me, I'll watch this because it, my curiosity is big. So what do you think I will look for to see that Ben would do to kind of tire him out or frustrate him? I feel that Ben is going to be clinching a lot, punching even to the clinch, tying him up a lot, especially early, tying him up. He's not going to be looking to knock him out. He's going to be looking to punch him, punch him, and tie him out, tie him up, I should say. And, it's, and you know, you it might even see a frustrated Jake Paul, like, this guy's not trying to fight me. That's This is, in my mind, what I feel Ben's going to do. And then Ben's going to keep that pace and then start putting it on him and I feel either get a decision or start beating them up and finishing them in the seventh or it goes eight rounds. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure either, but in the later rounds, he's either going to finish them or win by decision because he knows how to do that. I'm not, you know, I don't think he's going to go in there like, and, and it's, it's, 
I respect Jimmy's decision, but go in there and just maul him. I don't know. Right. Right. I don't think that's going to happen at all because he doesn't have that power. He's not fucking Tyrone Woodley, but he's able to tie him up. He's able to roll with shit. He's going to be able to, you know what I mean? So he'll be tying him up a lot and early and often and uh, looking to wear him down and take him out. That's what I feel. The reason I, I you're right. He doesn't have, Ben is not a knockout guy, but I just think that there's a different mentality when it's your second fight. And you're not, you, I mean, you again, you've sparred and you care about it. He's definitely not a pussy. He's a tough dude. He can fight, but he's fighting a guy who was at one point undefeated and had, and, and I don't care who you are in the UFC or in, in, in strike force or in one champion, you can, there's guys who are professional strikers and there's a different mentality when you're standing across from a guy who just understands shoulder movement and how to get out of the way of a punch and all of these things that become second nature to a fighter that are not second nature just to a guy who, who knows how to fight casually. So anyway, that's my prediction is Askren second round TKO, but I stink. I couldn't pick Nama Yunus in Ganu if they fought. I'm a terrible fucking fight picker, so don't listen to me, but I'm taking Ben in the second round. Jim, are you a mush when it comes to gambling? Should I bet against whatever whatever you say? Should I? Are you a mush? It's hard to say because I jokingly on the first Stipe Francis fight picked it to be a decision in a joke uh, and then changed my mind. And it was a decision. I've made some weird picks so I can be a mush who gets lucky. It's very hard to say. Um, but fucking Askren talked me out of taking him in the first round because he said he said seventh round. I'm like, you're the guy. How Dude, I'm telling you, I that's can't... a big loss for Ben Askren, though. If they go seven rounds, that's a huge win for Jake Paul. I, I don't care if he loses. Jim, let me ask you something on a scale of one to 10. And I'll tell you for me what my rating is. Well, how would you rate yourself as a fighter? I know my fight record is a strong two and seven. I would say I would say three and six. A what? Strong two and seven. And I will tell you something. I would say I would say three and six, man, because I was on the winning team once, but I lost my individual. <laughs> Josh is honest as hell. Josh, you're very honest. That's so great. Josh, and I know it's not your forte. Yeah. Jiu-jitsu is made for guys like yourself. And I'm not saying a, only because you're not a muscle-bound meathead, but you're looking shape. But, yeah. uh, dude, you get – we were just talking about Jalen St. Pierre on the other day. Yeah. The best way a, big, a little guy could beat a big guy, get to his back, strangle him, get on his leg, break his heel, break his ankle. I actually – I just moved to Nashville, and I was talking to Theo Vaughn about it because I was like, do you roll here? And he said, yeah, I found a spot. And uh, for me, honestly, because when I listen to guys that I know talk about it, I like that is something I think I would really like doing. I really do. I love I teach more regular just re when I say regular people, I don't mean professional fighters. Yeah. That's almost like a side gig, like a perk. What, what I got to do. But I teach regular just all types of walks of life. And I love I love just what jujitsu could just do to just regular people, how it empowers them. And I know that sounds so corny, but it just, it really just, I like my motto is in my school, I like to make good people dangerous. So they're not looking for trouble, but tr you don't choose when trouble finds you. When trouble finds you, you could strangle the fuck out of trouble. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's what I love about jujitsu. Yeah. And we have, by the way, Robert Whitaker, former champion, Robert Whitaker's in the waiting room. So we'll bring him in to join us and we'll all hang out. Uh, do you have a few minutes, Josh? Are you good? Yeah, man. He has one of my favorite nicknames I've ever heard of. Bobby Knuckles. Come on, man. Oh, all right. Is that, is that Whitaker's nickname? I don't even know I what his nickname that he, is. I, I had heard somebody said that because I told him, I said, this is who's coming on the show. And they were like, hey, I think his nickname is Bobby Knuckles. You're going to like that. I'm like, Bobby Knuckles. Ah, the sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. 
The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Well, welcome back. And before we, we get to uh, some fight questions now, our friend Josh, who's a, a comedian buddy of ours. Now, he said that he heard your nickname was Bobby Knuckles. Is that your was that ever were you ever called Bobby Knuckles? When? Like as a, as a, as a kid. Oh, where you call Bobby? Yeah, I'd heard somebody was like, his nickname is Bobby Knuckles. And I love nicknames. And I was like, I'm going to root for this dude. If his nickname is Bobby Knuckles, I'm in on this guy 100%. Yeah, it's it's like a fan-created fight name for me. Got it's, it. it's like an unofficial fight name that everyone just calls me Bobby Knuckles now. It's a what great one. It is a great, it is actually a great one. I hadn't heard it, but I didn't want to say it was, it was true. I'm going to, I'm going to move that tea towel. <laughs> oh, that's it's, killing my, it's killing my atmosphere. Yeah. By the way, what you call a tea towel in Australia, I call a nut rag here in America. <laughs> I call it both. I use it. I use it for both. Oh, that got me good. Now, Robert, uh, where are you now? I'm in the, the UFC bubble. You are. Okay. So now are you in uh, quarantine at the moment? Uh, yes. Oh, no. Like I, I think I just, I just got my, the first testing out of the way so I can, I can leave the, the room and whatnot. Now you've been through, you've been through a couple of these. So what have you found to do? Like, have you, have you found anything that you didn't think you would like that you now like uh, just to kind of keep you busy when you're stuck in the room? Mate, I play so many video games. <laughs> it's the same thing every time. <laughs> now what? Now this Jimmy, I hate to take over here, but no, please. in the video game world, I'm a fucking, I'm at least a black belt with maybe a stripe or so. Are you, are you in VR or are you doing like, PC games or what are you doing exactly, Robert? PC PC games. I don't the VR. I get motion sick quite bad, so I can't play VR. <laughs> right now, I yeah. can't tease. I can't tease Jimmy as much because you're a manly man, Jimmy. I always ah, Jimmy, take a <laughs> Dramamine and put that shit on. I, I do. Oh, I get very queasy. I, I close my robe. Oh, I'm not feeling well. But you know what? If if you if you start them off with like walking games, it gets it's the it's the moving forward, like when you're floating forward. But you can get used to it a little bit if you kind of take it slow. And once you get used to being in there, it's actually pretty. It's amazing to be immersed. I feel like VR doesn't have enough to offer me for me to make that sort of commitment <laughs> to learning how to play it. <laughs> what kind of games? What kind of games are you playing, Robert? Well, I'm still doing my dailies in Fallout 76. You know, you got to keep, got to keep. It's just like an online game you play with your friends and whatnot. So I got, and you know what dailies are? You just got to, you just got to rack them up, right? 
So now, um, I don't know, dude. That's right now. These guys are looking like that was Japanese. Now, <laughs> I don't know what that is. What game is it? Like a, is it a is it's it a like shooter? A, is it a yeah? It's like a RPG shooting game. You know, um, it's a Bethesda title. It's a good one. It's uh, dailies are like quests you do every day that, that you can only do them once a day, but you usually get some sort of re- limited resource that you want to use. But so I, I've been running those, but uh, you know, lately, like the last no no week, I've been I've been back into Magic. So. Uh, we- Tell me, uh, magic? What is that like? The uh, Wars, Wizards of Warcraft shit? No, no so it's it, it's a, the card game, Magic: The Gathering. Oh shit! You ever played it? It's it's big, it's big brain. It's big brain game. When you're talking a <laughs> little brain, I like go fish, and even that I find frustrating. What now? What, now what? What is Magic: The Card Game? I've never I've never even heard of it. Gathering. Ah, oh, it's a card game. How, how do I? I can't explain it. It is it is complicated. It's a card game, so it's like. You just got to try and beat your opponent. There's different levels of of plays and combinations and and ways to win. So uh, yeah, it's, it's just magic. Mm. Is it magic? Where's the magic part comes. Yeah. Pieces is it like Dungeons and Dragons type thing, or is it just cards? No, there's a, like the cards. It's just cards, but the cards have little magical dudes on them, I guess. Oh, there you go. <laughs> okay. Yeah, some things are hard to explain. Like when you explain them, you're like, why would I? <laughs> why would I say I, that? I am struggling, struggling with. Like this, and like as I'm as I'm talking to you guys, like I'm like, man, this game sounds silly. <laughs> no, it doesn't. You're one of the toughest guys in the UFC, and you're like, well, the cards have little magical men on them. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> great. It's yeah, great. I was just laughing the same thing. I'm like, I'm watching Matt and Robert talk about these little card games. I'm like, look at these two dudes. Like, <laughs> I like it's an fun. elf. Okay, man. <laughs> <laughs> on a, we're on a roll. Last last episode, I had George St. Pierre on, and I found out he likes Star Wars. And I'm like, oh, we're talking. We geeked out for like 20 minutes on the fucking Mandalorian. Now, <laughs> imagine all the boxes just go out on me right now, and I'm by myself. <laughs> I I want to ask you guys a question that I've always wanted to ask fighters. If you were going to rank in importance, right? Uh, conditioning, skill level, toughness, and confidence. Where do you rank that? Because for me, I'm always I'm always curious where where professional athletes rank confidence. Um, I I, I guess confidence is it's a big thing. Uh, it depends though. Like there are some fighters I like I I know that have zero confidence, are scared shitless, and then when they get yeah. inside that 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 cage, they become an animal. Like I don't know. And then there's guys that are super confident that doesn't, that, that don't have the gas and you know, they get done. It's all uh, the ability. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All the ability. All you, and then there's dudes with absolutely no ability, but just absolute confidence in their gas tank and win fights. It's a, uh, it's a, it's a, I guess that's why the sport is so fun to watch because right. there's, there's so many different angles and, and, and plays and ways of winning much like magic, the gathering. <laughs> guys like me who have no skill and no confidence is there any hope at ever developing either massive gas tank and <laughs> massive oh no i don't have tank. that either i don't have a good gas tank either no no i get tired very quickly <laughs> like, oh, okay okay when yeah, you develop I, when you develop skills even basic self-defense skills like we were talking about earlier josh it, yes. it develops i see people get their their swagger changes. I mean, they don't become fucking like fucking peacocks. Is it peacocks? What puts the chest? Uh, pigeons, know. pigeons. Oh, not a fucking pigeon. No, they don't get <laughs> cocky. They don't get cocky, but I see through jujitsu. 
I'm talking about jujitsu because I, I went to school for over 20 years. I seen people, they just their confidence just changed through the skills they learn. Yeah. You understand, Jimmy? Yes. But you can also see guys when their confidence gets a little shaken too, like when there's certain guys like uh, when they go to the floor, if they're pre predominantly strikers, and when you see somebody being down, like you could see when Kevin Holland against, I'm sure you watched Robert him fight uh, Brunson and, and 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 his fight against Vittori. He, he's decent on the floor, but you could see that he was getting a little bit frustrated at one point mm. when he was being dominant. So you can almost see somebody sometimes change the way they're feeling about how this fight is going when they keep having the same thing happen to him that they can't seem to find an answer for. Yeah, it's uh, he was getting demoralized. You could see it. And it was, it was slowly. And the more times Vittorio was landing that takedown and, and controlling him on the floor, you could see he was just starting to get at him and get at him and, and change the, the uh, what the the rhythm of the fight. But uh, you saw Holly come back out in like, what was the fourth or fifth? And he looked good and he, he knew yep. he had to get it. And like, he, you could see he kind of like psyched himself up. Like he's got to, got to do this as do or die sort of thing. And then he got taken down and that went away again. But <laughs> well, yeah, there just didn't seem to be enough time in between the fights, like, you know, to, to work on what you need to work on and then to have to go right into another guy who's really good on the ground. It's just, it was a ballsy move for him to take that, you know, tw I guess, what was it, 20 days after that, that loss to, uh, to Brunson? Yeah, I, hats off to him. He, he, he stepped up on short, short notice and, yeah. And are you, obviously you're happy that Gastelum, uh, you're, you're fighting Gastelum, but uh, Costa would have been a really interesting matchup. What, what, do you, what do you see as your way back to uh, a fight with Adesanya? I'm sure you want to get back there. Um, what, what do you think it's going to take for you to get another shot at Adesanya or if someone else gets a shot and then they have the belt first? Uh, win fights. As, yeah. long as, you win, as long as you win fights, you'll eventually get there. So you're a no. You don't have any particular plan and you, know, you just keep fighting and winning. And My calendar and planning and schedule ends on Saturday because that's that's all I can plan up to. I'm going to fight him and I'm going to do my best. And, you know, you, you start planning things out afterwards. Yeah, let me ask you, is it, it, was it frustrating? Like you had such a good fight with Jared Cannonier and it was great fight. And, ja and man, Jared's a fucking beast, man. Yeah, he is. He this could be. Mm. And that's one of those where we're at edge of the seat because he's been looking so great, right? Be no, you know, before that fight, it's like leading up to that. We're like, this is going to be such a, such a, you know, like it's almost like a, a picking with a lot of people. Like, man, this guy is looking so good. So then you get that, you win in a great fight, and it's almost like you got shit. Like, oh, he doesn't want to fight right away again. It's like you're like, and you almost got shit because you want to hang out with your family. I felt that. I heard that. Like, I'm, <laughs> the guy, the guy go now. As a guy that's been in there and everything that's put into it, like part of it's like when you win and you accomplish it, it's like a, you kind of want to exhale. Like you kind of want to be like, so when you're at the post fight thing and you get off at something right away, dude, by the way, I, will, I better not lose my job over this. But no, but like when you get like fucking Jimmy, when you get shit thrown at you right away, like, all right, he's off in this right away. He can have a shot at the title again. It's like, yo, dude, I just want to fucking give my kids a kiss and fuck. Can I, yeah. just <laughs> I go back to my fucking, can I go on the beach for a sec, a second, have a drink and come back? I don't know. Robert, what were you thinking? <laughs> you don't, you don't like to complain, but what do you think, Robert? Well, that was one of my biggest things, you know, working on the last few years, What, how my mentality changed towards fighting, like trying to enjoy the game and the process more. It was about enjoying why I fight. You know, they are my drive. They're the reason why I do things. So why, why am I sacrificing all the moments that I fight and bleed so hard for? And, uh, 
And honestly, your kids aren't going to stay young forever. It's you got to you got to enjoy you got to spend time with them. Like, That's what I'm talking about. But you're Matt's right though. You don't complain. Like you're you're I guess the number one ranked under uh, Israel. And, um, you know, uh, uh, Canada was number three. I cost those number two. And now you're fighting number eight and you're not like you just want seem to want to fight and whatever it takes to get back. You're right. But you're a guy that just doesn't complain. Whatever they put in front of you, you seem comfortable taking. Well, I guess it, it's my job to fight, right? <laughs> yeah. It's like and I have to fight all of them eventually. I knew our paths would cross one day. It's um, also the timeline, which is perfect. I had done most of the camp. I, you know, I was fit. I'm strong. I'm healthy. And I want to fight at this period. This is, this is the time I want to fight so that I can you know, earn a living, provide for my family, go home, do some things. And it just all worked out. Plus, like, like I said, this is what I do for a living. This is, like a, this is my job. I like fighting. Hey, for you, when you train, is there like a peak – like where you go at the end of three months, that's where I'm at my best or at the end of two months. At th- is there like a peak in training where you go, this is when I'm ready to fight. This is, this is the optimum amount of time for me to train, to get ready. Uh, yeah. You know, the peak, uh, the, the, the peak, you try to, you try to juggle it out so that your peak is Saturday night. Right. That, that's, mm-hmm. that's, that's how you try to work it out. But um, yeah, there, there's, there's all these different phases during, during the camp where, you know, you feel like crap and then you feel like you're not ready and then you feel like you can't possibly get ready. And then you start to get fit and you're like, oh, maybe I can do this. And then and then you start to get even fitter and you're like, I'll fight him now. <laughs> and then all these and then you and then you have another crap week where you're like, This sucks. I'm not gonna make it. And it's like and then you start cutting weight and then you get in that mindset and then and then you hit a week just before you generally for me it's just before fight before cut week and fight week. It's like I'm ready. There's nothing left to do. Like all I all I've got to do is cut weight. And, and punch on on Saturday. And what is the, uh, what's the time zone difference you're coming out of and how much time do you give yourself? I'm, I'm always fascinated by guys that fly across the world. And uh, are, are you coming from Australia like uh, this week? When did you arrive from Australia? Uh, so well, generally for the States, I, I leave about 14, 14 days. Oh, you have two weeks. Okay. Yeah. The time difference is pretty heavy. Um, and then jet lag is a thing. It's a real thing. So you need, I need to acclimatize and adjust properly. And I make sure I, I, I do that. Yeah. I forget who we talked to. Cause some of you guys, I'm, I'm always the, one of those fascinating things about fighters is how you guys can sleep anytime. Like every fighter we, we talk to, it takes naps and fucking, uh, some guys would sleep actually in the locker room before the fight, which can you do that? Can you doze off an hour before <laughs> a flight and take a nap? Not at all. I don't sleep on planes. Oh. I don't sleep well in beds. I don't. I don't nap. Nap. My, this shit I could be doing if I'm napping. I. I can't. It's not wow. me. Wow. Now I feel really lazy. Oh, I definitely nap. You can nap, oh. dude. Yeah. Come on. But but then like once I reach a point where I'm tired, I'll I'll sleep on the floor. I'll just drop right here and go to bed. Like, it's. I just gotta wait and see how my body goes. Have you ever had a night before a fight where you're tossing and turning and you can't sleep? Like, are you are you good at going? Are, I, some guys can just go, all right, I got to sleep right now. Fuck it, I'm sleeping. I'm not one of those people. Can you do that the night before a fight if you got like a lot on your mind, you shut it off and sleep or no? I don't think anybody sleeps well not before a fight, right? Like, not before a fight. It, it affects everybody differently. Yeah. What about in, the, in the locker room right before, is it? How do you feel with that? I've had guys, I've seen guys puking. I've had guys chill. Some guys are napping. You know what I mean? How are you in the locker room right before? Yeah, I guess like the tension's in the air. You can cut the tension with a knife, right? Like the, the atmosphere is just, it's uncomfortable. 
Like it, it's not, it's not, it's not a comforting place to be or time. You're kind of just uncomfortable the whole time. Uh, but you know, I expect that that's, that's the time for it. I look at the clock and I think, well, in two hours, I'll be back in the hotel room, win or lose, eating whatever I want. So I think, you know, and I don't know, Jim, if you heard this before you started doing stand up, but like I always heard like before performance or before something like a big thing like that, there are pukers, pacers, pissers, and poopers. And everybody's one of those four. <laughs> and so I, I'm always pre show, I'm a pre show pooper. Uh, if, like clockwork. Oh, pre-show pooper. Pre-show no. pooper, man. A hundred percent pre-show pooper. My wife will text me, "Are you taking a shit right now?" I'm like, "You know I am." Leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what are the four? Uh, what is Puker, it? pacer, pooper, and pisser. I will normally pace before the show. Uh, piss and shit during the show and then puke after the show when I think of my performance. That's usually how it goes. There's all four. Yeah. Yeah, everyone's got a ritual. I vomited once before I walked. If you're a puke before a fight, Robert, I did once. I was doing a college in the afternoon. It was a nightmare gig and the students were afternoon. all over it. It was a nooner. Yeah, it was, it was like one of those, those stupid college atrium gigs that every comedian oh. bombs at. And I think before I went on, I had drank too much coffee, but I had to go and throw up and walk on. And you, it kind of like the adrenaline gets you through that. But fighting is so much different. Um, I'm Overeem talked about the Mark Hunt fight, right? Where he's had like a terrible food poisoning right before. And he was like vomiting and shitting before. And he still went and beat Mark Hunt. Have, have you puked before a fight? Like right before you walk out? No, I haven't. I haven't. I, I, I've, I know people who, who, who have done that. Like when I used to play football when I was younger, there was a guy that religiously would throw up before every game. Like he just, that's just him. But no, I'm, I'm not, I'm not a, I'm not a puker. I'm a, I'm like a mixture of the other three. Oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's a weird thing um, that the pre-fight feeling as a fighter compared to some other other things where um, it's a, it's almost like a unique experience. Cause I I've done, I've done a few things and uh, with the fighting, it's almost like, you know, it's like an immediate, like you're facing, it's not just a competition, you know, there's like a threat in front of you. Like, you know, you, this could be either the best night of your life or the worst night of your life. It's so much. And in one wrong move and, and you're a highlight, it's just, there's so much going through your head that you just got to keep that shit together and not worry about the shit you can't control and uh, but it is, I'll tell you, that pit in your stomach, Robert, it's it's uh, like George. We were talking about it yesterday, uh, two days ago with St. Pierre. Like he, he was calling it fear. Like, you know, but it's yeah. I, I don't like to call it fear. I don't know. Maybe I'm too macho, but it is a it is. A, it's a it's that I like the, it's a feeling of being alive. It's like, oh, it's like a the, the only thing that came close to it. And I'll tell you guys is I did the stand up comedy once. Nothing like you fucking guys. Jimmy, you know, if we're looking for a fight. I did the thing at the, the Lamp factory with a. Uh, with Dana and Dean Thomas and whatever that felt it. Cause there was a crowd there and you know, it was a UFC crowd. They were nice to me, but it was still a little fucking who. And then fucking, I had that like little nervous feeling. And also when I did the thing with the bull riding that time when they're looking for a fight was only, you know, with the bull riding and it's only a little different kind of a, a feeling because it, I knew again, it wasn't going to end anyway nicely. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like a fight, like in a fight, you know, you're at least getting touched. You at least yeah. get maybe cut or hurt or I don't know. I'm not just ranting at this point. But you well, you know a ref a ref will at least jump in in a fight. Like if a bull is stepping on your face, yeah. No, like there's no way. Like you know, uh, Herb Dean can't jump in and wave off the bull. Danner <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> almost got his face crushed with that. That was a that was crazy. That was a looking for a fight a while ago. That's why I give Danner a lot of respect. Danner jumped on a bull. 
You rode on a bull, Matt? Oh, fuck yeah. I don't want to make it about looking for a fight, Robert. I'm just, we got the chip. <laughs> well, uh, Dana no looking for a fight. It was uh, uh, myself, Dana, uh, Dana and uh, back then we had another guy on with us before, Dean Thomas. We jumped on some bulls, and it was supposed to be like these practice bulls, but there's no fucking practice. It was real fucking bulls, and it was insane. Dana did it, man. I give Dana, you know, a lot of fucking credit, man. How long did you stay on the bull? I don't know, two seconds. <laughs> I kind of went, ah, but fucking Dana took a fucking fell and the guy, the thing almost came down on him. Oh, oh my God. Now, now, Robert, you, you, you like video games and obviously you're fiercely competitive. By the way, one, one thing about your mentality and not complaining, you seem to have a very, like after the loss to Adesanya, you came back and had two great decision wins over two. Like it didn't seem to throw your confidence or anything like that. Like, what was it? What was it like for you after that when you had to, step up but i think till was your first fight after it didn't seem to affect you negatively at all mentally no it, it affects me like everybody else you know you're terrified after a loss to to lose again you know you're yeah the the idea of, of being a washout after a loss is, is it's yeah it's terrifying but you just gotta do it <laughs> like yeah you just gotta do it you gotta pull your pants up and get to work that's so unique to the fight game, isn't it? That because any other sport, a loss isn't magnified like I feel like it is in fighting. Do you know? Like you can lose a game in any of the other sports or even the one-on-ones, golf or tennis, whatever, but a loss in fighting seems to be really magnified more than any other sport. Do you think that's yeah, true? Yeah, yeah, it's 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 crazy. It's, well, I guess it's because for one, we are fighting, so so yeah. losing generally doesn't like it's not a slap on the wrist, <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah. But uh, and and two, it just yeah, but I guess because it it affects you, your trajectory in in the division in the game, your your purse, your finances, it 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 just has such an impact. Robert, do, you yeah. have a do you have a school or no? Do you have an academy? Yeah, I have jiu-jitsu school, Gracie, Smeet, and Grange. I'm trying to give you a plug there. I knew you had a school. I like that. <laughs> school. It's funny because now that right there, that's your retirement, man. I, I've seen yeah. some things with you before when you were teaching in the gi and whatnot, some self-defense. You enjoy it. It looks like you enjoy it. Like you would do that for nothing. You know. Yeah, that 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 that's my retirement. That's what that's what I want to do. I, I I enjoy that stuff. So when I'm done fighting, I can just focus on classes, having breakfast with my family. You know, it's a it's a good life. It's fucking my life. I got a school. It's exactly what I'm doing. I love it, dude. I fucking love it. But uh, it's funny because I was going to ask what you're going to do after this, and then I'm like, holy shit! I looked at you. You're such a mature guy that you're. I forget you're only thirty. I'm like, fuck. Yeah. I mean, you got some time. Yeah, I'm like. I was going to start asking what's next. Like, why would I even ask that? You're 30 years old. I just think that I'm <laughs> immature. I think that's what it is. No, I, just, I don't know. I've been in a lot of fights. <laughs> Robert, would you, if your kids wanted to get into fighting, would you, would you be okay with them getting into fighting? Yeah. It's like, I wouldn't be happy about it, but it's, it's up to them what they want to do. It's right. uh I'll do everything I can to, to make sure they win. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I, I <laughs> Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to watch my kids fight. No way. Well, Robert, uh, it's obviously a great fight coming up with uh, with Gastelum. We love when you come on, and, and we love watching you fight. And I, you'll absolutely you have to get another title shot eventually. Uh, hopefully this year. Uh, great co-main event too. Uh, Jeremy Stevens against Drakkar Close, and I'm looking forward also to our Lovsey against Chase Sherman. So it's it's a great great card this Saturday night. Um, it's good talking to you as always, man, and uh, good luck in the fight. And we'll definitely definitely talk to you on the other side. 
Thank you so much. It's always good to be on. All right, Robert. Have a great fight, okay? Peace. Ah, the sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. When are those Bobby Knuckles t-shirts coming out? I want one of those. Yeah. yeah why don't you make one? I, because it's his. <laughs> oh, yeah. Don't put his face on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's, like I said, fighters to me have the best nicknames. And Bobby Knuckles is right up at the top of that list. Okay. Yeah, I had not heard that one. Oh, and by the way, the whole reason why I brought up Ben Askren before, not, it wasn't to fucking promote that fight, which is great, but uh, yeah. I hope we make some money. But it's more of the fact that if you're going to watch a grappling match, I would love for you to watch. Uh, and this is the, for the technical, uh, the reasoning. And I'll tell you why. Ben Askren versus Damian Maya. Because you'll see strategically two guys fighting to their greatest strengths. And it's almost like an art versus art with some, you know, not so good at striking in there. But it's like jujitsu versus wrestling where you see some of Ben's like patented like throws and big throws getting dominant positions. And then you see what Damian Maya is, is known for is his beautiful jujitsu, being able to fight off his back. And he was doing a lot of Uma Plata, which is shoulder attacks to get on top. He was doing Ashagarami, which is leg attacks, like going around the leg to threaten to break the leg to get on top when he goes and defend it. So it's very technical, more so than a ground and pound and finishes with a beautiful submission. But, oh, man, I, I tell everybody, if they want to see a nice um, a display of grappling, watch that fight. That's a beautiful fight, man. Damian Maia. Well, Damian Maia, any of his fights. But yeah. Damian Maia versus Ben Askren is like a jiu-jitsu versus wrestling. Oh, I loved it. I don't know. I, no, I definitely – listen, man. I, I, I am all about – because I do watch enough to where I'm like, I wish I knew what I was looking at right now. You know what I mean? Like outside of obviously what I'm watching – but I wish what you just described, like you're making moves to set up moves, two moves down. Right. And so those are the things that I really do when I'm watching. I, I think to myself, I bet you I'd be enjoying myself way more if I knew what I was looking at specifically right now, you know? Yeah. No, no, I hear you. No, it's yeah, just like the baseball. No, I'm with you, man. But I love that people, people are passionate. Yeah. Yeah. I will tell you, you know, I didn't mind the old, like, you know, with the original, original UFC, when it was just like boxer versus wrestler or yeah. just one discipline versus yep. another discipline and they weren't mixed. Yeah. I always found that to be like, look, I didn't, I, I wouldn't watch Butterbean all the time, but I'll, I'll watch that big dude throw a couple hands. You know what I mean? Because just watching one discipline versus another discipline was always kind of interesting to me. Yeah. No, 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 for sure. I mean, but 
the evolution of the game is everybody. Yes. Now it's like pure athletes and, and the technical, like technically it's so crazy, but I like, I, for me, I like watching boxing. I like watching fights. Like I, every now and then once or twice a year, I'll watch, I'll go and throw uh Mickey Ward and Gotti on. And I'll just watch it because I'm like, look at these two dudes just stand in front of each other. Yeah. And throw and not flinch and just throw fucking hands. Yeah. And that, I'm so interested in that mentality, dude. That mentality of just being able to stand in the middle of the ring with somebody and be like, I'm gonna hit you in the face. You're gonna hit me in the face, and let's see who's standing is so amazing to me because. Yo, I picked a completely different profession. You know what I mean, Jim? Like, <laughs> yeah. if I woke up tomorrow and was like, hey, at your gig tomorrow, someone's going to punch you in the face. I'd be like, I'm not showing up to that. I'm not showing up yeah. to that gig, you know? And you know, the guy's goal is to hurt you. Like that. I was thinking of this, we were talking to, to Whitaker because he's fought so many really, really dangerous guys. Uh, you know, he fought 10 fucking rounds with Yoel Romero, two, two decisions over Yoel, who is just a murderer. Um and you walk in there knowing this guy's goal is is to really hurt you. I mean, that's and that's the yeah, terrifying. It's a terrifying mentality to to live with. I'm fascinated by it too. Yeah, me too. I mean, the worst thing that we have to deal with is probably a, you know maybe a drunk table of soccer moms. Yeah, who just can't handle. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> Although I'd probably rather get punched by Stepe than deal with a fucking a bachelorette party. I would literally rather have Stepe yeah. drill the side of my temple. Now, we didn't talk, by the way. I don't know if you saw the fights last week, but our, our buddy Kevin Holland, um, he took another tough loss, decision loss to uh, Marvin Vittori, who looked, I, I don't know if I thought it was 50-44, according to one judge, but that was a really, really uh, tough fight for Kevin because Vittori did exactly what he needed to do. Um, so Kevin, hopefully, will take a few months now and really work on the on the uh, the, the uh, takedown defense because you know that's going to be a problem for him if he doesn't. Hey, when you train, Matt, yeah. Right. So obviously you're training for a specific fighter, right? And they're also training for you. So you're training for what you know they used to do, right? Do are you also gained are you also guessing what they might be put the new wrinkles they're putting in? Do you know what I mean? Like how do you train for because you don't know what they're putting into their fight game? Well, that's why everybody's like, oh, that's why there's that old thing, like, ah, no cameras in the gym, no, right, no the right. scoring. That's where that comes from. You know what I mean? But you can't, at the end of the day, you want to, if guys have certain tendencies, a really good jab, a really good inside leg kick, you know, certain things they do. It's so funny that, that, like, that you're saying that, like, it reminds me of when I had the first fight seeing Pierre. <clears throat> um, one, he thought I was going to try to um, take him down. So he didn't know I was going to choose to elect to stand up with him because that was never in my fights. That was never my strategy. Right. I was a jiu-jitsu man. I'd hurt guys maybe trying to get to him because I kind of I had heavy hands. But I, my strategy was to get a guy down because I was, you know, very talented on the floor. I know how to take limbs. So with George, he was such a good wrestler. I knew I couldn't get him down. He fought better wrestlers than myself that I have to take my chance of standing. He didn't know that was the game plan. I had that going in. But um, uh, Ray Longo would have me. Uh, just regular guys, neighborhood guys, just, all right, Charlie's going to throw that high kick at you like he does. Longo's funny. He's like, oh, he's doing some basic karate shit. He's doing, Longo showed me the high kick. And he goes, you could take this away, that away. And you now he showed me some stuff. And I was mimic, I was repping it so long, repping it so long that, it, and then our fight got pushed back where I repped it. I had the, another three months of doing that, that when I fought George, 
it felt like such a sparring session. Uh, the first one, the second one felt like an ass kick. But the first one, <laughs> the first one, and it wasn't an ass kick. The first one, because he he, he elected to keep standing up because he didn't know that I was going to do that. So he's like, oh, I'm going to, he probably thought he was going to take me out that. It's so funny, man. It's like I've seen everything coming. I really did. Like the kicks. One point, I he did a he, tried, he did a low kick, a high kick, and and I'm just catching it, catching it, coming back. I'm like, wow. It's like that fucking Miyagi shit when he had him paint the fence. <laughs> <laughs> why? Why was the delay for Matt? Was what? What happened uh, that there was a three month delay? Something happened with George. I don't know what it was, but something happened where we were gonna fight and it got pushed back for some reason i don't know does that fuck you up when it gets pushed back three months it never happened before you know the only time i have that that happened something with him i don't know what it was but i this was again for our first fight so it's not like the guy was afraid everybody thought he's gonna fucking murder me but something happened with him and because he just got the title you know and uh, i don't know why he got pushed back but he got pushed back so i know i just remember having more months to train so and then um yeah, that was the first fight. What the fuck else? What else did you ask me? What are we up to, Jimmy? You no, know, I was just wondering about the, about the training and, and like how. Yeah. Because if 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 all right, so he knows what you do. Obviously, you know what he does. Everybody puts a new wrinkle in. I'm assuming, right? But there's no guessing about the new wrinkle. You're basically gonna try to take away what you think they do the best, right? And 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 the new stuff they put in, you'll just have to handle when it shows up that night. Is that basically it? Well, that's why you want to be as well rounded as possible. Like Marvin Vittori had a listen. His big his big thing is first of all, he's tough as hell. He had yeah. to he had to be uh, he had to have some perseverance to just fucking. Be, he took yeah. some shots in there that other guys it might have. Um, discouraged them you know what i mean right. so you know he stayed the course and he just was not would not be denied but that's why you want to be well-rounded because if he was stuck to stand up with him it wasn't gonna be a good night for him you know what i mean so the fact that he had the ability to choose where that fight was gonna go he could you know use that strategy you have to that's why you have to be able to elect you know where that you know have more you have to be well-rounded basically and he was giving up seven inches too matt he was giving up seven inches of reach and he was able to close the distance which shows you how solid he is i mean he was able to close seven seven inches with relative ease i mean i think he set a record was it 11 takedowns i mean it was a, i think he i want to say he set a record yeah yeah no he did set a record i don't i think they can, they can look up how you know our producers will look up how many what it was exactly but but yeah man yeah like that's you know that that looks to be a little uh kink in the armor there with uh with Holland. He's going to yeah. have to address that. You know what I mean? I'll tell you right now, he's kicking himself. It's fucking Jacare. Because <laughs> Jacare is an expert on the floor. Got him down. Kind of gave him some spam. Listen, Kevin's still dangerous down there. Very. That's when Kevin knocked him out on the floor. But, you know, that is going to Right now, if somebody, if, if I had a guy fighting under me and he's fighting Kevin Holland, I would elect, hey, man, let's not, let, let's get him down. Let's yeah. get him down. I'd like to control him. But, you know, Kevin's still dangerous as hell. And yep. well, I'm sure he's going to let, he's a young kid too. I think he's going to learn from it. I agree. It was, it was 11 takedowns. And by the way, it was a tough fight for him to take on 20 days notice because he didn't have time to do what, I mean, again, it's going to be hard to, in a couple of months, get what you need to stop Vittori anyway, but he didn't have time to do anything yeah. um, other than just kind of heal a little bit and jump right back in. So I, I give him credit for that, but that was a tough first fight back. And Josh, may I add, like when you were asking about when I think about what the other guys are doing personally, my approach and Longo's approach and what I tell my guys is fuck what the other guy's doing. He's got the fucking problem because he's fighting me because, you know what I mean? So we have the mentality we're going to eat his fucking heart. You know what I mean? So, you know, it's not like, oh, shit, what if he does this? If I do that, we get into that too much. 
we're putting this guy on, man. This guy's a fucking killer. Now nah, I'm the fucking killer. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? He's locked in that cage with me. He's locked in that cage with you, Marab. Like, you know what I'm saying? I tell my guys, that guy's locked in the cage with you. That motherfucker should be trying to jump over that thing. But when you're, when you're training a fighter, like, have you ever trained a fighter and saw going in, like, he's just mentally not ready for this? And then how do you try to approach that with somebody? Oh, no. Like, in, like, amateur fighters that were, what do you mean? Like, guys that yeah, were. Yeah, I mean, say you say, say there's somebody going in and he's fighting under you and you're like, dude, mentally, this dude is just not ready for this. Is there a way, and the fight's still on, man. You still got to fight. Like, is there, is there, a, 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 do you have a trick to get somebody like, hey, man, Let's lock it in. Now, nah, listen, my guys are, I mean, I got guys who are with me, like Raging Ally, Aquinta, Marab, fucking Weidman, Aljo. These guys are mentally fucking strong. So it's like, right. I don't, but in the amateur level, like early on when I had guys not, and again, I've been like working corners since like the, like the, like the late nineties. So I have guys who, who I knew it wasn't for them. And, I, and back in the day, now like, Everything was geared for the fight back in the day. Now guys can fall in love with jujitsu and make a career without even taking a punch because submission grappling is a thing. Jujitsu is a thing. There's money involved. But back then, guys kind of felt like they had to fight or something. And I knew, like guys underneath me or whatever, I'm like, yo, I know it's not for you. I know it's not for you. And the thing that Longo always says, and it's the truest thing in the world, is you have to get it through to them because the cage or the ring, whatever uh, combat sport we're talking it's the truth. You're going to get exposed. You can't, yeah. you can look great on the pads. You can have good jujitsu, but if you get hit and sparring and you're running to go see in the mirror, if you're fucking cut or this, dude, guess what? Uh-uh. Get back. Not for you. No, no. Right. Uh, that might be where I am in the fight game. And this is where Papa makes his money. You know what I mean? That's <laughs> <laughs> what Jimmy says when I tell Jimmy. <laughs> no, except the, the, the more of a beating I take, the more people would love to see me live. Believe me, <laughs> there's nothing that can hurt my shitty live appearance numbers. <laughs> how, does it, how does it feel that it's coming back, guys? Because I know how I feel about the fights. How does oh, it good. feel about the, the, yeah, the, the company coming back? It's great. So great. good. We've been doing, I don't know, uh, Jim, you still in New York? Yeah, but I haven't done stand-up. I'll start again. I have gigs in August because I had something in Boston at the end of April. That just, the, the capacity is not going to be able to, you know, so it's, everything's been moved. So, yeah, I'm going to start again probably going on in probably May. I'll start going back on stage. I was in Philadelphia this past weekend. You know, I'm in Nashville right now, and I've been doing shows here. And I got to tell you, people are psyched. They're yeah. just excited to be out. And the crowds are just, I mean, you know, the energy in those rooms are amazing. But for me, man... You know, I, I think, Matt, I, I just never realized how important the stage was to me. I think I took it for granted. But this past year, I, I, there have been times where I'm like, I, I really miss being up there. Like, I just, I, you know, that feeling you get when you're, I'm assuming that, 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 I love that. And that energy from the crowd. See, the, what I love more about stand up than about acting is I like the immediate response. I like to know right away, does this suck? Is this good? I want to see your faces. I want to feel the energy. To, to me, the acting is so, it's kind of boring, you know? But the alive, you know that thing you said about feeling alive? Yes. That feeling on stage, you can't fucking find that anywhere else. Is this the longest either of you been? Oh, yeah. By, by far. Oh, yeah. Far. I've never what gone more than two weeks, two, two weeks, weeks yeah. maybe on vacation. vacation. And, that, and that was after 20 years of doing it. Like I, I, I started 1990. So I don't think I had gone two weeks without, you know what, when I was in Brazil in early 2000, yeah, 
two weeks maximum. And then on stage, the minute I got back. Yeah. But even during those two weeks, I would be thinking of bits. Yep. There were times here where I would think during over this past year, where I was like, I haven't thought about writing a joke in a week. Like that yeah. is so foreign to me. So to be back in it is pretty amazing. Pretty how amazing. Long been, Josh, how long have you been doing it for? Around? Uh, well, the first time I ever got on stage, I was 15 years old. Wow. Where was that? So it was in Northampton, Mass. The first joke I ever told. So my parents were in the front row. And they had one of those old zit zit click, you know, one of those old cameras. Yeah. Zit, zit, click. And this is the first joke I ever told. Uh, I was 15 and I said, hey, everybody, I'm so excited. My name is Josh. I'm 15 years old. My parents are here tonight. I'm really excited because this is the first fucking time I'll be able to fucking swear in front of my cocksucking mom. That was my first joke I ever told in my entire life. Where was that? Where that was, was in Northampton, Mass at a coffee shop. And my parents were just looking at me like, what is about to happen? But as soon as I said that and I felt that, I was like, oh, this is amazing. <laughs> this is amazing. And um, yeah. Wow. But I didn't do it continuously. Uh, I took obviously some time off. Jim, I don't know if you know this. I think the fourth or fifth time I was ever on stage, I opened for Kennison. Wow. So obviously it was before, uh, hopefully it wasn't after 91. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so he was on his way to San Antonio um, with Carl LeBeau. Who sure, was Carl's own. great. Carl, by the way, one of the most underrated comics in yep. the history of comedy. This totally agree. I don't know if I ever saw anybody murder harder than Carl LeBeau when he was opening for Sam and I saw him in Rascals in New Jersey. He would fucking crush. Great comedian. I, I, yeah. 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 He, he, and he really like it for Kennison to be able to follow Carl the yep. way he did just tells you what Kennison was like. That's Kennison right. was a monster, but on the way to San Antonio and I don't remember cause it was a while ago. I don't know if Carl had just learned that his dad had was sick or is his dad had just passed one of the two and he had to jump off the trip. I had just won a com comedy competition at a bar where the winner was basically from the crowd reaction. And I had brought my friends because I knew you get free drinks if you win. So the, his manager, Bill, called the promoter and said, who won that comedy competition? He was like, it was this dude named Josh Wolf. And he said, ask him if he wants to open for Kennison. So this is like my fifth time on stage. Jim, you know Kennison's fans. Yeah. They were not, they were not looking for me. I'll oh. tell you and it was at a rock club. It was a place called Sneakers in San Antonio. Um, and he was the first guy I remember playing rock clubs because yep. he was a rock guy. Yeah. And so I, I listen, how many, how many, how much material did you have after your fourth time on stage? Jim? I had my, my, the first five minutes, which was a joke, joke, a couple of shitty bits and then a joke, joke to close five minutes, probably for the first year or so. It was awful. It's so funny that we all had joke jokes to close. Yeah. That first year we were like, I need something that people are going to so, laugh. Something strong. <laughs> Two guys come into the thing. Yeah. Yeah, just, yeah. 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 So I'm on stage. And so I, I'm up there and, and um, his manager, I mean, his brother, Bill, just was yeah. like, hey, just do 20. And I was like, uh, uh. okay. So I start to walk out on stage. First of all, look, this is a rock and roll comic. I was wearing loafers. I was wearing, uh, uh, it was the nineties. I was wearing like uh, acid wash jeans. <laughs> How old yeah. were you buddy? How old? I'm 50. No, no, no. How old were you at the time? 
Oh, uh, 21. Okay. Something like that. Oh, Acid wash jeans. I had a button down, like blockbuster blue shirt on tucked into my jeans. Oh, wait for it. I had a yeah. ponytail. Ah, so, uh, <laughs> it's rough. Yeah, I looked like that dude from what, what was that song? More than words. Like I looked like one of those dudes. That's <laughs> rough. Yeah. Yeah. So, man, I had five minutes max. This is how bad it got. About three minutes in, they were already done heckling me and just talking to each other. Oh. Jim, I repeated my set three times for the new people that came in. I was like, you didn't hear these jokes. And I did them again. How'd it go? So, uh, at like 15 minutes, I turned to the, my girlfriend who brought me and she was the only one still looking at me. I, and I started talking to her. I'm like, should I just walk off? They're not even listening anymore. And she was like, just stay up there. I'm having a conversation with her. It's brutal. Yeah. I walk off stage. Jimmy loves I'm, just, I'm sitting back there and I'm like, oh my God. And Bill was like, hey, listen, on the second show, I'm just going to need you to stretch it out. I'm like, second show? <laughs> <laughs> And he said, if you, if you see me, cause Sam was, you know, he was so unpredictable. Yeah. Right. And he was like, look, if I'm doing this, you're going to need to do longer. I'm like, did you what? Did you just yep. watch me do my five minutes, four times? <laughs> it was a rough, but I will tell you, I drove away from there with my girlfriend at the time. And she said to me, well, you got that out of your system, right? You're not going to do that again. And all I could think of was, oh, I'm not going out like that. Yeah. Like this isn't, I, I really liked it until tonight. That's not chasing me away. I'm just going to have to figure out a way to do it better. Now, because how was the they, second show? The second show was worse, dude, because oh, they figured, were drunker. Yeah. They yeah. were drunker. I was doing longer and I already knew my material ate dicks. So yeah. I was like, oh no. This is going to be fucking terrible. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. And it's the longest 25 minutes of your life. I'm, Jim, I'm sure you've bombed in that oh, way before. Good God. Yeah. And I, I, I only met Sam once. I didn't get to work with him. I, I was doing an open mic and he came out after doing the main show and talked to a few of us as comedians. Did you get to talk to him at all? You, you know, not really. He was kind of, he was a little fucked up and, and I was not in the, the group, you know what I mean? Okay. Did you say hello or no? You didn't I did say me. hello. Like, and I yeah. told him, I was like, this is a true honor for me. Cause for me, Kinnison, when people are like, who's your guy? Yeah. For me, it's Kinnison because Kinnison was the first guy. I remember thinking to myself, are we allowed to say this stuff? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And he was talking about things like the way he jumped into a re religion was just something I had never heard anyone do before. Yeah, really aggressive, really, yeah. really aggressive. And yeah, I but intelligent, dude, intelligent. Like he was not a guy who was shocking you with dumb shit. He was a well thought out, smart dude. Yeah, yeah. His death was really uh, tragic, terrible, totally early death. But I'm jealous you got to work with him because the fact that you bombed doesn't matter. It's a great story now. It's a better story now. If you said, hey, the shows went well, eh, who cares? I bombed worse. That I really want to hear. Like that's, <laughs> that's a much better comedian story is bombing. <laughs> Listen, you know, one of the reasons all of us loved Brody was yeah. because nobody bombed like Brody. How do you bomb? know what I mean? How do you bomb? Brody, he, Brody bombed in such an intense, angry way sometimes. And he could he could get an entire crowd who was having a good time just to kind of stare at him like, who is this guy? He was so bizarre. He was the anti-comic. His jokes weren't punchlines. He used to talk about he used to, uh, Brody Stevens. Brody he used Stevens. to talk about his GPA. He would talk about growing up in the valley and talk about his teachers. Were they funny? 
Sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes really funny, but sometimes like he just didn't connect with an audience and he bombed hard and he got mad. Yeah. He was a very unique guy though. A very unique thinker. He passed away, but he, he was a very, uh, and he did audience warm up for Chelsea lately. Like, and he, so he could really kind of perform in front of any crowd and succeed when he really wanted to. I mean, he was very funny and unique. Uh, but yeah, him and I, I would say him and Brian Holtzman. Uh, when Brian, when Brian would go down swinging, he was always fun to watch at the comedy store. He really didn't give a fuck. Well, Brian was happy to take all of us down with him. Yeah. Yes. Like he was. Brody was a singular bomb, but Holtzman was like, I'm lighting this whole room on fire. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. if you don't want to be in a fire, I would get out. Now. Yeah. <laughs> and also Holtzman has no boundaries as far as what he'll talk about. Brody, Brody was not that when Holtzman goes down in flames, he might go down in flames with some of the most uncomfortable material you've ever heard in your entire life. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't, he's fun to watch. Yeah. A hundred percent. It seems, and I don't, I fucking, I'm making sure this comes out the right way. It seems compared to other professions <clears throat> that I don't know, it, like comedians sometimes, you know, like, like, uh, you know, they, 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 they take their own lives. Why is that that? What is, why, why are they so tortured? What is going on here? As two comedians, maybe you two are like, but what, why is, is it the guys who are the most, the, the funniest, is it the whole tears of a clown? When you guys are sad or upset, do the guy, people closest to you, do they know or no? I, I'm, I'm, this might sound really just. No, I can tell you, for me, I bet you nobody was like, I feel really good about myself. Let's get into stand-up comedy. Like, I yeah. don't know. I just don't know anybody like that. Everybody I know has a little bit, has some demons. It just has some demons. And, and whether they want to talk about them on stage or, or they admit them to, you know, you personally. But most people I know are kind of sad clowns or at least start out that way. At least start out that way. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I for sure, man, I, I didn't hop on stage because I was feeling good about myself. Yeah, I, I, I needed that from the people in front of me. I needed that, you know, that acceptance or that laughter or that you telling me that I'm, I'm funny. That was something that I really needed. Yep. You know, do you feel the same way, Jim? Yeah, I mean, it was just uh, the only thing I was ever consistently good at. Like when you're a kid and you know you can make people laugh, it's like, oh, that gets me what I need. Like everyone yeah. does something that gets them what they need. For some guys who are tough, being tough or being good looking gets you what you need. You know, you're good looking, you get asked to the parties, you get attention. You know, yeah, well, Matt, you have it at both and yeah. you're funny. But I mean, like for, uh, I, I wasn't tough. I was average looking. Um, you know, I blink a lot. I wasn't a particularly good fuck. So I'm like, I better be amusing. If I'm going to have anybody on my side, I better be able to make people. <laughs> so yeah, that was kind of it. Um, you know, did you, and, did and, you say I blink a lot and I wasn't a good fuck like that? Yeah. Is, yeah. That's not yep. good for the resume, dude. Like, not at all, but it's, it should be on my a bumper sticker on my car. <laughs> <that's> <laughs> advertise. I don't know what they're in for. <laughs> it's on my Tinder profile. <laughs> I blink a lot and you're not going to come. <laughs> uh, that's a great name for an album. Too, yeah. right? <laughs> uh, Josh, you just took right off. Like they did, like you said, you did that in your fifth, your fifth time out there. Like, was, oh, but was listen, it upward, upward or was there some, Hey man, I don't know if this is going to work out for me. Well, you know, when I got the gig, I was like, this comedy shit's easy. And then after the gig, I was like, this is really a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. But but like I said, it how I knew I wanted to do it was it didn't chase me away. 
it was really something that motivated me to get better. It's like taking a beating and being like, well, that's not, that's, that can't be my last fight. I can't go out like that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And so I also, I don't want to say that I enjoy bombing, but you learn from it. Like every time you shit the bed on stage or, yeah. or whatever, you learn from it. And also as somebody that likes telling stories, bombing stories are some of the best. Always the best. Like I never want to hear someone's I had a great show story. I have zero interest in that. Um, I was killer. They stood up when I walked out. I'm fucking, you know, <laughs> as soon as you tell me the mic went out, the fucking, there was a fight broke out. You got heckled a drink. Like that's all I want to hear. Cause they're different. I don't like bombing, but I like knowing I can survive bombing. Yes. Like I like knowing that this is a survivable experience and I, I know how to handle this because I've done this for, I guess that's the part about bombing. You like, there's a pride in it. You're like, most people are terrified of this. And this is part of my job. Jim, is there a guy when you were starting, who was the guy that everybody ran into the room to watch? Otto and George. Um, when I was on the road, Otto is a, he, he's also died. Unfortunately, he was a ventriloquist, really dirty and brutally funny. But Otto is the one um, that everybody would come in. In New York, it was Colin. I think Colin or David Tell are guys that people still run into watch those guys. Right. And obviously Chappelle. But uh, when I was in my first five years, because I was in New Jersey, the guy that everybody came in to watch was Otto. Otto and and who was your group? Who did you start with? Florentine. Uh, Jim Florentine got me my first paid gig. Bobby Levy. Um, Otto was the guy I worked with a lot. And a lot of guys who are no longer... Uh, doing stand-up. Like some guys who just kind of dropped out uh, and some guys who have just kind of moved to other locations. But yeah, comedians were good to me. You know, it's like weird. Like you you, you move forward and you realize, fuck, comics got me a lot of work. Like, you know, yeah, yeah I love I love other, uh, other comedians, man. They took good care of me. Yeah, I agree, man. You know, there's something, and I'm sure, Matt, you feel the same way with fighters. If you meet a fighter that you've never met before, there, you still know something about that person. Do you know what I mean? There's still struggles, kind of like that type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And you, there's a, there's a little, there's a bond that you do have in that. Like, I, I don't, I don't know where Jim started or how he started, but I know in my brain, the gigs, I sure. did those gigs too. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so there's that, there's that familiarity and, and, and there's for me, my favorite thing about being at a comedy club, like the store isn't even the performance. It's sitting in the green room and talking with all these dudes. Yeah, it's just like that is the for me, the very best part of stand up is just sitting at a table with just three or four of the comics and just shooting the shit. Like for me, I love, love that. I love that part of it. Yeah, me too. Me too, man. I really enjoy it. Um, there's something about it. It's just everybody kind of knows you're in the same boat. Um, yeah. And it's great when you guys are talking and somebody else is on and you hear silence like, oh, boy, it's quiet out there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he's eating his dick. Ahead, I'll tell you him. something else. I know, Jim, I know you're from the generation uh, because I am too, but that I don't think they do it now. I was always, when you did a show, you always made a couple comments about the guy who went on before you. That's sure. just what you did. You made a joke about his set, what he looked like, what she, yeah. you know, whatever it was. And I, I love that part of it. And I feel like that's gone a little bit. They're not doing that as much now, but it, they, to they me, don't it tease was, each other. They don't yeah. tease each other, like teasing, making fun of each other is kind of what we would do. Yeah. They don't do that anymore as much. That's frowned upon now, huh? Yeah. It's seen as mean, even if you don't mean it is awful. But, but if, if I'm insulting another comic, I assume as a comic, you know, that I'm not trying to be mean. 
that this is just what we do. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's a bummer, but yeah, I, I can't wait to get like like the there's some sh- I got shows this weekend in Nashville because the they're doing a little comedy festival down here, and I'm just psyched to get on stage and you know Theo Vaughn's down here right now and Steve Byrne is down here and so it's gonna be a fun weekend. Yeah, so let's plug. Uh, we have to our, our show is I think uh, we're wrapping up. Uh, we have to plug your podcast called The High Life and Tell Me Something Good. Uh, really, really talented, funny guy, uh, Josh. And uh, look, it's good having you on, man. We would love to have you back. And thanks for hanging with us for the whole show. This was really great. Absolutely, guys. Thank you so much for having me. Matt, really good meeting you. You too, buddy. And uh, yeah, I'll definitely come on anytime you guys w- w- would have me. All right, Josh. We'll talk to you again, man. Take care. Thanks, guys. Yeah, that was great. I enjoy when... Uh... I enjoy when the comedians are Me on. too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a good dude. Uh, man. I mean, I like him. I like the comedians. I, I feel there really is a um a parallel. Like uh, there's a lot of similarities with the stand-up comedy and and fighters. Like when you have a bad, like you learn more, not learn more, yeah. but you have more material, more bad set. Like we I personally, not that I want a lot of losses, but I've had some losses where it definitely helped my students out. Like, sure. you know what I mean? Compared to me just saying, all right. This is how I knocked out Frank Trick. I mean, I right. say, don't get me wrong. Sure. I, I show, well, Jimmy, I did the inside low kick. I start low, ended up high. Yeah, we know that. But it's also good to show how I escaped an arm lock from Caro Parisian. And are you leaving as I'm talking? No, I'm standing up. Yeah, we have to. No, 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 no. I'm my no, career. No, no, no. no. You don't understand. I'm not ignoring you. I'm standing up because we have to end soon. And there's things about to happen if we don't end soon. There's things let's happening plug, in my body, Matt. <laughs> I love I love you so much. Let's plug right, let's plug the fight the uh the weekend, the uh the fights this weekend. Fights are this Saturday night, seven o'clock prelim, ten o'clock main event, Whitaker Gastelum. Thank you guys. Goodbye. Bye everyone. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.